Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hey, that was about average this season so far. After winning two games against the Pacers in the early part, a 114-97 to loss to that team that is in the NBA from Indianapolis. The Indiana Pacers winning this one against the Raptors. This is the Raptors Reaction Podcast, and I'm your Samson Folk. And this game, I think there's a few things that happen. Pascal Siakam had his best performance on the glass in what was otherwise... I think a below average game for him. Even the offensive process was kind of uplifted by his jumper in the first half, and he really struggled to get anything going off the bounce in the second half. And even in the fourth quarter, I think was a negative offensively during the Raptors drought because he wasn't moving the ball and kept trying to create advantages off the dribble. Advantages that didn't come in the first part of the fourth quarter. Towards the end, you know, some people would call it stat padding. Other people would just call it playing basketball, whichever you choose. Uh, He made a couple nice plays, attacking off the catch, and, you know, a nice pass to Fred Van Vliet on a back cut. But that that was a wholly unimpressive performance offensively from Pascal in this one. Still ended up with 17-12-4. I believe he only had the one turnover that came after he dribbled it off his knee. But Scotty Barnes as well injured his thumb and then came back in. And every Scotty Barnes game, you're going to be privy to some sort of run of his. And whether it's a run of great defensive plays that are couched between, you know, a bunch of wandering and astronaut behavior, it doesn't matter. You're going to see something. And in this game, it was a fantastical uh, offensive application. Keeper plays, you know, semi-post-ups, taking opportunities in transition, just a relentless... uh, taste for the bucket and he went right there whether it was TJ McConnell on him or Demonis Sabonis and that was something that was really nice to see Gary Trent Jr. left the game with a calf uh, strain I believe or a calf injury and he didn't return but he uh, finished with 13 points four four of 11 shooting and I think he was at four of seven after the first part of the game which was just god what an impressive shot making Uh, ability that he showed there it's that you know driving with that left hand to his left side that right arm push off kind of a la Jason Tatum step back got to the mid-range hit a couple shots there he's done that all year and he's hit a decent percentage actually I would say an elite percentage of those the only problem is that those are not elite shots to get of course it's great that he's hitting them at his rate but 
there's a reason he finished at four of 11 because he's taking difficult shots right now. And he would have to be Steph Curry to hit on like, you know, the 50, 40, 90 or approximate somewhere close to that. Even, even 45% from the field on his, uh, on his shot diet would be just absolutely bonkers. And yeah, the bench really tough night for the bench in this one. And that's not to say that the bench could have saved them or anything like that. It just, it wasn't a strong bench performance and that's, Them's the breaks when the Raptors are as reliant on Fred Van Vliet as they currently are. And Fred Van Vliet was awesome tonight. Uh, it's a really big drop-off when Malachi Flynn comes into the game. And is it fair to, you know, look at Malachi's splits next to Fred's? Not really. But even if you take this holistic look at Malachi Flynn in this game and say, well, what did he do good? What did he do bad? I think you come away kind of unimpressed. He didn't create for his teammates. He didn't really create for himself. And despite, you know, a really nice dig down for a steal defensively, he wasn't making things shake or move on that end either. And so the Raptors, with a a so-so Pascal game, I would say a really strong Fred VanVleet game, honestly, and Gary Trent Jr., Scotty Barnes kind of pitching in as well, you end up in a deficit to the Pacers, who got a really, really strong game from Demonis Sabonis in this one. Karis LeVert also kind of pitching in in his own way. Miles Turner... Those two giving you 19 and 17. Sabonis with 23 and 18. The Raptors in this one had a really tough time containing him. A lot of extra possessions going to the Pacers in this one. The rebounding thing, you know, giving up 17 offensive boards, that's a lot. And the Pacers really, they made good on those extra possessions. And largely because they did a good job moving the ball. Sabonis and Brogdon have always been, I would say, they're not a a selfish-looking or selfish-style uh, tandem. They they play a lot of give and go. They move the ball rapidly. They make a lot of reads. They process them quickly. And that was that was shown tonight with the Pacers' 31 assists against the Raptors' defense that was very eager to move, as we know. And the Pacers, even though they shot 11 of 39 from downtown tonight, the ball movement was kind of downhill ball movement. It's those little pitch, those little pitch plays, little handoffs, little dump downs to guys who are headed towards the bucket. And even just Miles Turner and Demonis Sabonis getting offensive boards and kind of staying around in that vicinity and eventually putting the ball back up. And Malcolm Brogdon, as he always does, kind of getting the the defense in motion, turning guys, gnashing the pick and roll, finding things that work. And that was, yeah, that was good to see. And also Kellen Martin of the Pacers, I think, had partially off the start why Pascal was taking so many jumpers was because Kellen Martin was kind of stonewalling his uh, drives and not because Pascal is a bad driver or anything, but because Kellen Martin was playing really great um, fundamental defense on him and he's a strong, big body. So that was impressive to see. And he also pitched in for 15 points. He he went one of six from the three-point line, but I believe he went... Uh, six for six from everywhere else on the floor, just kind of a bulldozer going downhill. So he had an awesome game coming off the bench for the Pacers. And the Pacers, they just passed the hell out of the ball, got to advantageous spots, and made the Raptors pay over and over again. And the Raptors, that drought to start the fourth quarter, along with another drought to start the second half, or sorry, um, in the second quarter, that is. Those two things really put them in a difficult position as far as if they wanted to win this game. And they're currently tinkering. Well, Nick Nurse is tinkering with something. He wants to get Gary Trent Jr. as, like, the ultimate bench guard scorer. I understand the impulse, absolutely. And there's been a couple games where this has worked out as well. 
But the big thing is that he doesn't have anybody to work off currently. Once OG gets back, maybe they'll look at staggering guys differently. And also Utah wasn't in this game either. Kind of a tough pill to swallow. Utah is really good. OG is, well, Utah is good. OG is really good. Ken Birch is good. And not having any of those three guys in this game, you feel it. Guys like Fred Van Vliet, if this game had been close, no doubt in my mind, he would have eclipsed 40 minutes played or been somewhere around that. That's a lot of minutes to play a guy. And Pascal was also near 37 minutes as well. Scotty played 35 despite missing part of the game because he had to go get his thumb checked. All these types of things, these guys are getting run into the ground. And missing guys, the fatigue is probably playing a bit of a factor. Although, you know, you get paid to play the game. You have to go out there and do your best, as they do. But uh, the fatigue is part of it, of course. But yeah, the Raptors, so that, that stagger with Gary Trent Jr., it was a little bit, I wouldn't say problematic. It just, they didn't have very many avenues to good offense. And they weren't getting out in transition either. This is also where the Pacers, with their size, they don't have to get into any type of super advantageous positions. Their size will allow them advantages on the glass and extra possessions for shooters at at the three-point line or for putbacks and all that kind of stuff. And it really fueled the run for them there. And, you know, at the start of the fourth quarter with Pascal, he was getting the ball with, you know, like 11 or 10 seconds left on the shot clock. It's a bad sign for Pascal if he's going to take every single one of those seconds and he's not going to move the ball. He's going to try and create off the bounce. And whether it was Malcolm Brogdon, Kalen Martin, Miles Turner, whoever, right, he just has to know when he's got it and when he has to move the ball. This is something that Scotty Barnes has a pretty good idea of, albeit he's much more limited than Pascal offensively, especially in a half-court sense. And Pascal, it's, you know, is it ego? Is it something else? Who knows, really? Is, is he being asked to task things in isolation? You'd have to have a very off-the-record and candid conversation with Nick Nurse, I'm sure, or, or Pascal Siakam. But sometimes sprinting into a handoff, setting a screen, moving off ball, that kind of stuff, that's what you need to be doing in these situations and just trying to get other guys involved instead of these static isolations. That was a big problem down the stretch. Although, None of the other guys were able to create. Pascal used probably like five or six possessions, created like two points. That's really bad. That's not good at all. But the other guys weren't creating in any meaningful capacity as well. So it's the Raptors are in a really tough spot in this one. Although Fred deserves love for kind of keeping the Raptors afloat in this game. Really came out off the start and was super strong. Those hit a couple threes, really made the Pacers respond to his gravity. That helped that helped move the chains for the offense in you know, I would say a dramatic way because the Raptors were really hitting on everything to start the game. And then we got Fred. I think he had three layups in this game. And against, you know, a, a Pacers defense that features size in Sabonis, size in Turner, and particularly great rim-defending size in Miles Turner. Sabonis, so, you know, I would say significantly less potent in that way than Miles. And honestly... Fred did a fantastic job picking his spots. This is probably the biggest bright spot to take away from this game is Fred's management of his own, let's say, shot portfolio. Really great mix of what he was able to do here. He obviously isn't going to dominate the game, and the Raptors lost this game by 17 points. Fred can't make that all up on his own. But if other players had been better tonight, both on offense and defense, this Fred VanVleet performance probably would have stood out as like Herculean. But it, it's kind of a footnote in a Pacers win in this one. But he was awesome. Got to the mid-range, had a nice behind-the-back pull, 
and, you know, hit from downtown, got to the rim a couple times. We even had, he made a really smart read after Barnes made a really smart read, and then Pascal made a really smart read. Barnes on the, the opposite side, on the right side of the floor, I would say, had a post up, and the guy crept over. Pascal was in the dunker spot. So Scotty passes to the weak side corner where Fred is positioned. Then Fred finds Pascal in the dunker spot. And then Pascal finds Scotty, who's now cutting to the rim. He hit a layup. Just great ping, ping, ping uh, basketball. That's I love watching basketball where the ball just swings around like that, which is why it was kind of disappointing that they, and not just Pascal, but certainly he was a big part of it, that the ball was kind of stuck during these droughts. In, this, in the second quarter, because they had a limited, you know, their lineup was limited, and they, they're putting a lot of pressure on Gary Trent to create um, for himself because the creation for others is still obviously not a big part of his game. And then in the fourth quarter, basically nobody was getting anywhere. The Pacers were playing lockdown defense to some degree. And, you know, over the course of the game, the Pacers were able to hold the Raptors to 97 points. That's really impressive. And even though, you know, there are some actions that the Raptors, they looked really great defending the Pacers. They switched across a bunch of stuff. And, you know, they were able to deny a lot of primary actions. But the Pacers are also a team that if you make them funnel to their secondary stuff, they can just go to Sabonis as a hub. They can run things off of him in a pinch. And they don't need the primary action that much. They're very comfortable going to secondary stuff. And so that's where the Raptors really looked rough in this game, is even if they expelled the energy defensively to stop something in the primary action, any type of breakdown on the weak side or on the strong side could put them in a position where, okay, now they're running something new, they're running it efficiently, and we're kind of dead in the water. That, along with the uh, the disparity in possessions, just kind of put them in an untenable position. It's uh, them's the breaks, you know? But, uh, okay, we'll do the Reggie Evans Award winner. I'm giving it to Pascal. Competing on the glass like he did, there are things to complain about in this game from Pascal, certainly. And, you know, there were a couple mistakes he made as a help side defender. Taking one step too close in, you know, a three-point shot is being made after his rotation. But it's a, it's a guy playing two-on-one. When you're the help side defender and, you know, you have to decide whether to step over. And, you know, fans have been lamenting, okay, well, Pascal isn't providing enough help here or help here. Then he comes over to help and gets the pass out from the drive, then tries to recover to the corner. It's a three-point shot made. Um, media members, fans, you'll see them complain about that too. Sometimes the defense is just compromised, and it's not just Pascal, although there are a couple plays that I think um, he could have been better on, uh, certainly. But uh, I would say a decent defensive performance for him in this one. Covered a lot of ground, switched across a lot of actions, and the Raptors need that on a lot of possessions. And so, yeah, and and the ability to close out defensive possessions Super big in a game like this. And to grant the Raptors the extra offensive possessions, the 12 rebounds was a very nice little bump that Pascal was able to provide in a game where he was having a tough time applying his off-the-dribble offense. So he's the guy. Reggie Evans Award. Top quick reaction comment is from Wildling number one. Seven, quote, quote, 17 points, 5 of 9, 7 of 9 from the free throw line, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, and a block. Nice line for rookie Scotty Barnes, end quote. Yeah, man. He, he had a really nice game. He It's in spurts for him right now because the, he's slowly learning the NBA game where he finds himself, and there will be a run of play where it's so evident to him how he's going to find his spots, how he's going to take advantage. And you can just see the, the potential oozing out of him, right? Like he's so 
He's such a cerebral player. His feel for the game is really great that once it clicks, he's finding all the right spots as a scorer, as a rebounder, as a passer. And it's just fun to watch him work in these games because you can see he's trying to figure out his application in a certain game. He's trying to figure out, okay, where do I fit in? How do I make this work? And then you'll get like a four-minute stretch where they have six points and two rebounds and two assists, and you're just like, wow, hell yeah, Scotty Barnes. I can't wait till this is all the time. We're still probably quite a ways away from it being all the time, but hell yeah, Scotty. And uh, he had a couple, like those two steals, the one he tracked back to get a post-entry pass, and it was just, he was fronting, um, well, not fronting, sorry. He's providing pressure on the ball. A guy came over to double, and so he stepped off a bit and caught up to the pass that was being made into the post. It was really, really nice. Although the game was out of hand by that point, but yeah, hell of a play. Uh, thanks for writing in, Wildling One. Thanks for listening, listener. But whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye. <laughs>